Today we celebrate the solemnity of Christ, the King of the universe. The solemnity is always celebrated at the end of the liturgical year. Of course, we know that next week we'll start a new liturgical year. We'll start the season of, of Advent. There's going to be a couple changes next week as well when you come. Probably the most glaring one, I know it's always you know, an exciting time, what color is the book going to be next week when you come? I have no idea. I'm not, we have not opened up the box yet, so we're excited for Saturday. Opening up, it's like opening up uh, a present. But of course, that's not the only change that's going to happen. We also know that we're going to start liturgical year B. So what does that mean? It means we're leaving the Gospel of Matthew and now going into the Gospel of Mark. But I think it's important to kind of make some highlights of what we've, we've kind of heard this year, especially in the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is a Gospel that is full of mercy. And this makes sense. Matthew, the tax collector, receiving God's great mercy, the calling at the customs post. We also see in Matthew a lot of times the parables deal with what? Not so much with, with farming because he doesn't know much about that, but instead we, of course, hear all these different parables of money, and that, that makes sense. We also can think of Matthew and maybe probably go to the most famous passage of Matthew, which is Matthew chapter 5. Now, 5 to 7 we know is the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, the beginning part, is the Beatitudes. And so we hear of God's great love, especially for what? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the sor- those who are in sorrow. And so we see in Matthew's gospel really this love that God has, well, for all of us. Because we know that we, we, know that we are the poor. That we are called to be the meek. Even in today's parable, we hear about this judgment between what? The shepherd comes and separates the sheep from the goat. Now a sheep, by the way, as we we know, sheep are for the most part pretty docile. They will always pretty much listen to their shepherd. So we could say they're, they're humble. And this is also a key to Matthew's gospel. This humility, being humble, being meek. Now, a goat, on the other hand, and once again, I am not a farmer, so I identify with Matthew in many ways that way, but what I've heard is a goat is pretty much the opposite. A goat is pretty stubborn, pretty, we could say, prideful in their ways, even as an animal. There's not too many goats that we would see necessarily as a pet. We could even think, well, maybe to Shrek. Now, I know it's a donkey, but it's the same thing, right? The talking donkey, the talking goat, whatever we want to call, that would be an example. Now, when the shepherd comes, he's going to separate the sheep, those who truly humble themselves, or the goats, those who are turning inward toward themselves. And so Jesus explains even farther in, in this parable what's going to happen in that, that final judgment in the last couple of weeks, we've had these parables of the pedagogy, not pedagogy, of eschatology, the study of, of last times, at the end times, of course, with the, the, the ten virgins, uh, the talents, 
and now today, this parable that probably speaks, I don't know, this speaks to our heart. It challenges us as well. Because Jesus is saying, what are we called to do? We are called to love. We are called to love who? The hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the ill, those in prison. We are called to love them. And why? As he says, right? For one of the least, amen, I say to you, for whatever you did for one of the least brothers of mine, you did for me. Now, I actually think there's a better interpretation here. And I think it's important. If we just say, well, we did this for Christ, it's missing out on the point. A better interpretation is this. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. Not just doing it for Christ, but that you did it to him. So he says, you did it to me. This passage, by the way, can probably summarize Matthew's gospel. And it's Mother Teresa who made this very famous, actually. Mother Teresa, as a child, was taught by her mom a slogan when it came to Matthew's gospel. She called it, well, the gospel on five fingers or the five-finger gospel. And I want to read a little bit of reflection I came across uh, on this. See, with Mother Teresa's ever-luminous smile, she would hold up her hand and count off each word with a finger as she was teaching about the gospel in general. She would say, you did it to me. You did it to me. And we can see in her life, by the way, that she was taking care of the poor, of the hungry, of the thirsty, of the homeless. Who did she see that she was taking care of? Christ himself. Now this saying, this, this five-finger gospel, may seem like a radical oversimplification of the Christian faith. But the saint with their graced wisdom is on to something here. In Matthew's Gospels we heard about today, the five-finger moment occurs in the 25th chapter, and it's a moment unique to the Matthean account, the account of Matthew. It's no other gospel. The importance of the words are heightened by their placement within a passage about the final judgment, the judgment between the sheep and the goats. Consequently, the importance of doing is brought out with the emphasis as you did it to one of the least of these, you did it to me. My brothers and sisters, we are not going to be measured, we are not going to be judged by vague intentions, by positive thoughts, or sympathetic emotions. No. We will be measured, we will be judged by our actions. And the character that is formed by those actions 
and gives rise to them. But the most important word of this phase is not did, but me. Because as Mother Teresa makes clear, it refers to Jesus. Jesus makes himself the hungry one, the naked one, the homeless one, the sick one, the one in prison, the, on, the lonely one, the unwanted one. And he says, you did it to me. He is hungry. He is hungry for our love. He is hungry for your love. The gospel is not about any old kind of doing. Indeed, it is not even about merely doing good. Rather, it is about loving. It is firstly about loving Jesus, and secondly, loving others for his sake. Mother Teresa detects a beautiful pedagogy at work here. She says, His ways are so beautiful to think that we have God Almighty to stoop so low as to love you and me and make use of us and make us feel that he really needs us. Jesus humbles himself by taking on the distressing disguise of the poorest of the poor. And when for his sake we love and serve those in need, the unseen, the unloved, the unclaimed, the unborn, we become instruments of his love in the world. Our brothers and sisters, as we celebrate this great solemnity, of Christ the King. We know that we have a King who humbles himself, who gives of himself completely, who thirsts for us and hungers for our love. And we know that what we want to do is we want to serve our King as he serves us. But how do we do this? Yes, it's by loving God with all of our soul, with all of our might, and all of our mind. But also loving our neighbor as ourself. Because when we do that as well, who are we loving? We're loving God himself. And when we do this, when we come to that final judgment as the sheep, we will hear him say, you did it to me.